everybody. Uh, welcome to Ann Ortley's Weekly Weather. I'm Ann Ortley here at the Bright Red Desk in New York. Um, we have a really rocking and rolling kind of week ahead. Um, we are in eclipse season, as I like to say. The eclipses are coming. The eclipses are coming. They're actually here. <laughs> they hit already. They hit a little early this week, this year. Um, so this is the weekly weather for the week of October 8th to October 15th. Remember, we still have Spica on the south node, as well as Arcturus ending and changing our relationships as we work with this energy of this very powerful eclipse. Um, forward we go. All right, so these are the aspects for the week. As you can see, Pluto is stationing on October 10th at 27 of Capricorn, 2753 Capricorn. What that means is the five days before, October 5th, and the five days after, October 15th, is when we feel the Pluto station. And that's important because, of course, we have the war in Israel uh, and, pa and with Hamas going on, and we also have a lot of stuff going on. And, of course, Pluto and Capricorn is power structures, power dynamics. As it stops to go direct, we're going to see it go, oh, well, last time it was at this degree was in January uh, when we elected the House Speaker here in the United States. So we're going to talk about Israel and the Speaker of the House vacating and who the new candidates, proposed candidates are this week uh, coming in. So we do have a Pluto stop. And remember, Pluto and Capricorn, uh, which we've been having since January of 08, when he went into Capricorn, invites us to reevaluate the power dynamics, the power structures of the governments and the corporations, both of which are ruled by Capricorn. So we've seen a lot of Capricorn activity over the last, uh, since 2008, a lot of work with the government. You know, we had the economic shutdown in January of 08, and then we had, you know, banks bailed out and a lot of people lost their homes and had huge problems. And now we're at the back end and we're having Pluto and Capricorn again stopping this week, making us look at our power structures, understand them, see what's going on, and hopefully work with them in new ways or conscious ways, maybe is a better way to say it. Because remember, when these planets happen, we just have to deal with it. So back when I was a baby astrologer and I was sitting for my certification exams, I wrote on the uh, invasion of Kuwait by Iraq and Saddam Hussein, and it started on a Pluto station, and that was in George the Senior's uh, presidency. And so when the Pluto station to turn direct the other way was when he gathered the forces and they went in and cleared Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait and then stopped. They did it, you know, a hundred day war. Uh, and those were both Pluto stations. And one of them I was babysitting, Matthew, a friend of mine's kid. And I'm, you know, babysitting. Matthew's asleep and in come mom and dad. I'm like, what are you guys doing home? And they're like, a war started I'm like, really? I was just sitting here reading a book. And so Pluto stations are very much wars. They also are earthquakes. So we just had a huge earthquake in Afghanistan. And uh, that section of the world had the eclipses go over it recently. The eclipse that we have this week goes over the United States. So we're going to look at that when we get into the eclipse section. So Pluto stations are big. Eclipses are big. Pluto stations and eclipses are really big. So we see, you know, the energy of the Mars square Pluto. And remember, with Mars, we always feel it coming in. So it hits a little before the 8th, which was Sunday. 
And so the invasion started in um, in the morning, a little after 6, were the news reports on Saturday. But at the end of the week, we have Mercury and the Sun on the back end squaring Pluto. So that'll be the time frame we're looking at, through the 20th and the 21st, before things decided under this Mars aggressive energy get worked out. So we'll watch, kind of watch that energy uh, as it unfolds this week ahead. And eclipses are difficult. This particular eclipse, there's a great book by Bernadette Brady. It's called, now it's retitled The Technical Predictive Astrology, The Eagle and the Lark, but when I bought it, it was a long time ago, it was The Eagle and the Lark and the Textbook of Predictive Astrology. And she lists all the eclipses that are in the heavens in this back section. So this eclipse that we're working with now, remember they run for a long time. This one started on the South Pole on June 22nd, 1248. And it ends on July 26, 2492. Remember, astronomers and astrologers have been tracing eclipses for years. So this eclipse has a Pluto-Mars aspect. And you can see we have the Pluto-Mars aspect in the sky. So it says, the immense power and anger and force of the Mars square Pluto is channeled into this family of eclipses via the trine. The individual experience this series will find that the huge obstacles will suddenly and easily clear or, on the negative side, a pending potential crisis will suddenly manifest and move through his or her life very quickly, very rapidly. Either way, the individual will feel that everything is moving at great speed. And that is the eclipse description for the eclipse we're having this week. And with the Pluto station right in the middle of it, with Mars squaring Pluto, and then the Sun and Mercury coming up, we have a big rockin' week. And I'm always, the eclipses are coming, the eclipses are coming. And I remember having a real eclipse experience back when I was learning astrology and running to an astrologer's house for a class. And, and her name was Eileen McCabe. She's a wonderful astrologer. And she said to me, Oh, what's going on in January of 1982, November November 82, when Saturn and Pluto got together in Libra, which of course think back to November of 1982 and what was going on in the world then. We had Reagan as president. Um, the energy is the same. It's the same energy, and I was like, wow. That's when my mother got diagnosed with cancer, and she said, well, that's a really sensitive point. I'm like, it is. She said, so the eclipses are triggering that. And that's what's happening now. So if you're a little older, the babies the babies that were born in 82 with this conjunction, but it also was the same conjunction we worked with with the Saturn-Pluto conjunction under COVID uh, in Capricorn. You know, that Saturn-Pluto, when they get together, it's a big deal. So there's a lot of energy right now echo echoing up that 82-83 eclipse also and saying, hey, there's a story here that you want to work on. And then this eclipse also has that energy, but it also has its own unique flavor, and it's a rocking week. Now remember, eclipses make us want to take action. It's a situation that's been in existence for a while. We've had the problems in Israel and Palestine for a while. Why now? Why now? But the eruption of energy, that's a very potent erupting energy, and with planets with the south node on the fixed star Spica, it's like ending relationships on some very dramatic way. So really, you know, in your own life, as this eclipse comes through, 
comfort your friends, take care of them. Don't feel you've lost your efficacy. Figure out how you can stand up and help. Lean into it. Try not to overreact. It's a very big week of overreacting. Emotions really coming to the surface. And um, forward we go. Now I will also say, uh, you know, just check on your people. There are also a lot of health aspects this week. So with Pluto stationing and the South Node Eclipse, it's a big departure week for folks. A lot of health energy, so, you know, get diagnosed, figure out what's going on. Um, this is an energy to have things come to light. So you can see them in a new way, and hopefully that will help you um, help you work with the energy. And just remember, you're here for a reason. The universe is unfolding as it should. We're all incarnated now to be part of this team going forward, and we all have a role to play. And so you think about how to use your chart in the best possible way in this next little patch of sky, which is pretty dramatic and pretty potent. And you're going to be okay. You're going to get to the other side of it. But it is a journey, and it's a pretty, pretty strong one. So on that note, we go back into the charts and work with them in a new way. All right. Okay, so off we go. Um, of course, the finger of God, which is in place from October 3rd through the 8th, you know, but this particular one, the Mars, Yod, Neptune, Uranus, took place on Thursday as Mars was approaching his square to Pluto. So fingers of God, Neptune is water and sea, Uranus is unexpected, Mars in the north node, Mars opposite the north node in Aries, and you can see this is the chart cast for DC. Uh, but, it, you know, it's the finger of God is everywhere, right? So when we, you know, it's in the heavens. So depending on where it lands in the chart of any, any particular place is what's going to activate. We also had that configuration I sent out, yes, last week to my Patreon subscribers, but also to you guys, this configuration, which is three fingers of God, accompanied by a Healy, a helicopter there, accompanied by a minor talent or a minor grand trine, so we have this very potent energy. And that started on the 3rd of October, and it goes through the 8th. And so, you know, we see that. We see the Mars, Neptune, Uranus, unexpected war. We see the Venus here with Pluto and Neptune caught unawares. We see the Neptune here opposite, the, you know, with Venus and Mars as the legs. And then we see the helicopter, which is a square, you know, the Mars square Pluto and the Venus square Uranus, kind of unexpected, and there were reports of kidnapping of women and children um, in, the, in the conflict in Israel. Uh, so, you know, it, it's an interesting configuration because it's very intense. And uh, so if you're feeling really intense, you know, you're right in sync with the heavens, it's also how do we use it. We also have, interestingly, on Sunday, we had a finger of God with Sedna and Saturn. Now, I don't normally talk about Sedna. I watch her, you know, and I brought her up when the Titanic, the Titan blew up when it was trying to see the Titanic because Sedna went into Gemini, which is double energy, but she's an ocean goddess. And, of course, the United States military just moved its uh, fleets off the coast of Israel. So that is the response we made, you know, uh, uh, and moving the aircraft carrier, moving the aircraft, the water people, what are they? The boats. They're moving the boats. So that's that. 
uh, again, a figure of God, you know, kind of getting in configuration. So we see it, but in your also in your own case, Sedna is the ocean energy, and she represents a bit of a betrayal. Her mythology includes a betrayal. Uh, and so there's a betraying energy in the sky, which we're going to watch for, especially around leadership and around how we're taking action. And of course, Saturn and Pisces, kind of a hidden agenda to the betrayal. So, uh, of course, Mars square Pluto was Sunday. We know with Mars, we see it coming in ahead of the exactitude. And so uh, it, it, we woke up on Saturday morning to a war in Israel. Of course, we're having a lot of fights here in the United States. Again, we'll do that in the politics. But Mars square Pluto wants you to take action. It's a psychological integrating square. It's a closing aspect, encouraging us to consciously think about what we're doing as Mars comes in for that square. And it is part of that larger configuration of the Healy with three fingers of God and a minor grand trine. It's really potent heavens right now. Uh, we also had Venus enter Virgo Sunday night. Now, the whole heavens just shifted. So before, Venus is here in Leo, right? So she rules all the Libra planets, Mercury, Athena, the Sun, the South Node, the Mars, and she rules the Taurus planets, the Jupiter and the Uranus in Taurus, right? She shifts Monday night, Sunday night at 9 o'clock, and she goes into Virgo. And now all these Libra planets answer to Venus in Virgo, and the Taurus planets answer to Venus in Virgo. So they've completely shifted their focus. Now the moon is in Leo, which answers to the sun, so she's answering to the Venus in Virgo. The Ceres is in Scorpio, answering to Mars. He answers to the Venus in Virgo. The Pluto's in Capricorn, answering to Saturn. They're kind of a world apart, which is good. We like that. And uh, the Aries planets answer to Mars, who answers to Venus and Virgo. So there's a lot of energy in the heavens shifting focus. We're going into Virgo land now. And Virgo is, of course, critical. We love Virgos. I am a Virgo, but I am critical. And, you know, and I kind of go, rah, rah, Doesn't mean I have to say it, but I go, rah, 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 in my head. And so the world suddenly got a lot more critical, right? And we also have Venus approaching her opposition to Saturn, which she does every year, but in the midst of this week, lots of criticism. Now, the other thing you want to pay attention to is how do you make it better? The way you help Virgo planets work well is you say to them, what can you do to help? What can you do to fix it? Very easy to criticize, 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 but how do you create it? How do you create something out of those things you're being so critical about? So that's our energy, and that is how we work with these planets for the time that Venus is in Virgo, which is a few weeks. We have to say to Venus, how do we make it better? Yes, easy to criticize, easy to say, well, why did you do it that way? Why did you blah, blah, blah? You know, don't buy into that. Say, well, let's talk about how we can work on it, improve it, fix it, make it better, recognizing the heavens are answering to a very cranky Venus in Virgo. We just spent four months of her in Leo, which is excess and excitement and party. And now she's like, now I have to go back to work. And you're all going to go to work with me. Right? So and you kind of think of, you know, uh, the witch in um, Wizard of Oz. That's the energy. But remember, Dorothy got back to got back to Kansas. She just had to do some work. 
So you're going to be okay. It's just a little stressful. And also, anxiety really kicks up with Virgo, right? So all these planets are answering to Virgo. They're all going to, you're going to find you're running very anxious. And that's okay too, as is everybody else. So recognizing we're running anxious, how do we work with it? What, what do we do to make it work better? We also then are going to have Venus opposite Saturn on Tuesday because she's in Virgo. Moon is going to follow her on Tuesday opposite Saturn and kind of kick up emotionally because Moon right now is in Leo, kind of aspecting the last little bits of that finger of God. And um, Venus opposite Saturn is serious-mindedness. But again, all the Libra planets and all the Taurus planets are reporting into Venus and Virgo, or they're at least asking her advice uh, before they move forward. We also have Pluto stationing on Tuesday. He stations at 9.09 p.m., but we know with Pluto stations, we do the five days before, so he's stationing on October 10th. So from October 5th, Pluto's been stopped at the same degree in the sky, and he will be at that same degree until the 15th. Pluto stationing takes us back to January, when uh, Speaker McCarthy was elected, and now we're electing a new speaker uh, in the House, uh, and we'll talk about that when we get into the politics, but we understand that there's this big shifting energy in the heavens, and this finger of fate here, with Juno and Leo, Quincunx stationing Pluto, and Quincunx of Neptune, like what's the dream that we're working on, and where are we going with this dream? And Pluto stations do bring earthquakes. We had the one in Afghanistan. You can, can expect others um, because the Earth stops and shifts, and Pluto rules the underworld. So it tends to have death, and Mars square Pluto tends to be war. Mars, of course, and Pluto are buddies. He kills people and sends them down to Pluto's underworld. So we're working with some intense energy this week, and our job is to be like, okay, let's figure that out. Mars then enters Scorpio. Now, he's been in Libra, where he's been a little more refined, but he's been answering to Venus and Leo, right? Now, he's, you know, the last couple days, he was answering to Venus and Virgo, and he's like, I don't really want to listen to Virgo. I'm going to go into Scorpio now. So it's kind of like, he's like, okay, I got to go in and do my own thing. And he's in Scorpio, his favorite sign. He rules Scorpio. So now he is taking over the North Node planet, so he's going to help steer the ship a little better. So we're going to feel the ship gets underway on October 12th when Mars goes into Scorpio and he says, okay, now we have a plan. And he also is approaching a trine to Saturn. Like, how are we going to move forward with our work in the world and go do things? So as Mars goes into Scorpio, he's going to be in Scorpio for two months. So this is an excellent time, you know, after the eclipses are over to kind of take action on things that need to be accomplished in a firm and direct way. Mars in Scorpio is the energy of a sniper, however. You know, Mars in Aries is the warrior energy, marching into war, bump, 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 the military, the artillery, the army. Mars in Scorpio is the sniper who sits in the high position and shoots. So we are entering a little bit of a sniping energy with Mars shifting into Scorpio, but he also is much more direct. Uh, he doesn't have the whole passive-aggressive business of Mars and Libra. Apologies to my Mars and Libra people. Because um, whenever I say mean things about a sign, I usually get emails, Mars and Libra is not passive-aggressive. With Mars and Libra, we always have to look at the ruler Venus. So Mars and, you know, Mars and Libra has been reporting to Venus most of its time in Leo, but it just shifted into Virgo, and she got a little mean. 
but we we look because Mars and Libra doesn't have his own efficacy. He, oops, sorry, the cat just stepped on the, the cat just stepped on the computer. All right, and he's over here wanting a pet, and uh, yeah, that was exciting. You got to fly through the screens. Um, there's there's my cat helping with. Uh, <laughs> he stands, you know, he gets I, when I'm not typing. He comes and gets here on the red desk, and then he's like, okay, like I wanna I wanna play, mom. And I'm like, I'm working. So I was petting him until he stepped on the keyboard, and now he's been dismissed. Right, Remo? Um, all right, so Mars entering Scorpio. I had a stealth attack there. I had a little sniper come and play with my slides, my little Scorpio moon baby. Uh, so anyway, and, and of course he responded when I started talking about Mars and Scorpio. So anyway, this energy of kind of a forward motion, taking action, and again, apologies to my, um, uh, apologies to my Libran, uh, my Libra and Mars and Libra people who don't don't get insulted. Look at the ruler of your Mars and Libra. But it was in Leo, so Mars was really acting for love and beauty and grace. And then he went into Virgo and he was like, oh my God, we got a mess here. And now he's in Scorpio, which means he's taking action in a very direct way, which is helpful because that's one of his favorite signs. Whereas with Libra, he always has to ask permission before he can do anything, which is one of the reasons he does not like Libra. Because he's like, why do I always have to ask permission? I'm Mars. I want to do what I want without asking permission. I always think of Mars and Libra as being, you know, a military guy in combat boots having to go in and have tea with the queen. Got mud on his boots. Not real good with the pinky finger holding the teacup. Mars and Scorpio, he's in his element. He's like a manly man. And he's kind of like, okay, I'm taking action and I can do it myself. I don't need permission from anybody. I'm just going to do it. And I'm a sniper, so I'm going to sit up here in the tower and take you out. As Mars goes forward, he does have a trine to Saturn. That happens on Friday. Uh, and so if there's been some snipers in your world or some snipers in the culture, it comes down after Mars goes past Saturn because Mars takes him out. So that's going to be Friday uh, morning, you know, in terms of timing of taking action. Mars trines Saturn and says, okay, what's the structure that we're working with and why? And, of course, Saturn is back to where he was in March of this year. So think back to stories from March because they're up for you to take action on now. What you were thinking about you needed to do last March, now you're going to do it. As mentioned before, we have that finger of God with the sun forming the configuration off the sea. Uh, you know, with Sedna, the ocean goddess, Mercury moves into that position on Friday the 13th of the month. And so that is the day we're before the eclipse, but that is Mercury then stepping in and communications get clearer. We start to understand more of what's going on. We're not so befogged. There's not so much, mis you know, little of this, little of that. We get a vision. We get a path. Next up, our eclipse. As I mentioned before, Bernadette Brady's book, The Eagle and the Lark, talks about a textbook of predictive astrology, talks about this eclipse, and of it she says, the immense power, anger, and force of the Mars square Pluto is channeled into this family of eclipses. The individual experiencing this series will find the huge obstacles will suddenly and easily clear, or on the negative side, a pending potential crisis will suddenly manifest and move through his or her life very rapidly. Either way, the individual will feel that everything is moving at great speed. Okay, that's the energy of this eclipse. Biggie, that's what it's going to look like. 
we're going to be able to see it here in the United States. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. This is considered a sol solar annular eclipse. It's occurring on the south node of fate, which means the nodes, the eclipse season started on the Antarctic and is moving north to the Arctic. And it's on the sun is on the south node. Remember when the sun is within 15 degrees of the nodes, it is eclipse season. You can see this is almost an exact hit. It will look like this as it goes across the country, depending on where you're standing. Um, the eclipse is, uh, you can see it's very uh, argumentative. Look at all those oppositions, the red in there. There is no fire in this eclipse. What that means is fire will be at a premium. Fiery, fiery, fiery energy, and also big earth, big air, big water. So when we're missing an element in the sky, it always makes for an interesting energy, and you can see how cardinal this eclipse is by looking down here at how big that cardinal bar is, because it's got a lot of energy around um, having to take action there. See that cardinal, but no fire. We have no energy. We're missing an element is always is an interesting time because the Earth is trying to balance that. Uh, the fixed stars, as I've been talking about frequently, the south node is on Arcturus and Spica. This is an ending of relationships with a clear vision of why they need to end. And of course, Vesta on the home and hearth, the house. So again, the house, is, the house in the United States is changing, which is one of the branches of Congress. We also see the sun on Rigel, which is a star of taking action in a clear and concise way that's important. Um, the sun on Rigel is a nice star, so generally that's a good thing that we have that star there because it's got a good vision and it knows what it's trying to do. The Arabic parts for this new moon are Uranus opposite the part of marriage. We're going to see a lot of relationships break up. We see Neptune on the part of brethren, the secret brotherhood. We see Pluto on the part of understanding. We see Chiron on the part of opposite the part of goods. We do have economic news that indicates that the prices of things will be going up. And we also have the moon and the sun opposite the part of organization. Uh, yeah, so we're not, it's not an organized eclipse. It's actually a chaotic one. Uh, we also have a number of aspects, including Neptune, uh, Cassandra aspecting Jupiter, and Uranus opposite Hidalgo. Hidalgo likes to right wrongs. Uranus says, the hell with that, let's just blow shit up. So there's a lot of energy about blowing things up, and there's also the energy of Sisyphus, which is a sense of exhaustion, rolling the rock up the hill, rolling it down, rolling the rock up the hill, rolling it down. The new, the new moon eclipse is on the path of fire. Uh, there's a section of the sky, the Via Combusta, from 15 Libra to 15 Scorpio. That's very intense, very passionate, very wild. And so this eclipse is on that path of fire. So intensity indeed. Um, this is the path of the eclipse over the face of Earth. And with a solar eclipse, lunar takes out, you know, half of the, con half of the world because it's night. Solar eclipse... Um, is here. It's, it, you can see this red eclipse line because it's a southern eclipse. It starts from here and goes up. So this is the path of totality. That red line running through the border, running through, um, running through the southern border of the United States. The border crisis is up. Biden's building a wall down there now. Uh, we're looking at you know we've got a lot of people jumping and yelling about the border crisis, and you can see 
one of the lines of 75% goes through Venezuela. We've had a lot of Venezuelan migrants. Um, but this is the path where you can see it. So depending on where you are on Earth, you're going to see that big circle. The people here see that big circle. As we zoom in a little, this is where it runs through the U.S., right? That's the path of totality. Now, the other thing to remember is... Um, that when we have an eclipse, it amplifies the energy there and it kind of focuses it for a few years. So this means that this eclipse runs for a while. And we did have this companion eclipse, which happened in August of 17. And this one was a northern eclipse coming in here and going down through uh, South Carolina. And that was, of course, the path of COVID. And then over here in the U.S., in the, in the New York area, we were one of the big entry points for it from the people coming from Europe. So um, that eclipse was the one on August 17th, and um, it, the entry point for COVID was, of course, the first diagnosed cases. And then South Carolina, interestingly, there was a family that went to uh, Seattle area for Christmas, came back and died in South Carolina, first recorded case there carrying it across the country. And so we saw that. Now, back a few years ago, when the eclipses were in Taurus, we had mad cow disease. When they came in in Dublin, went through England, went through France, lots of cows got killed. Sometimes when it's in Virgo, it's like a bird thing, and lots of birds die. So it's a big deal. This particular eclipse coming from the south, moving through us, through the, through the northern part of our... It is in Libra, on the... the um, on the, the world point. So it's a big eclipse. So 22 and a half of the cardinal signs is a world point. So we're going to really feel this energy as it migrates from the south and goes north as opposed to from the, as opposed to coming from the north going south, right? So it's, it's an energetic system. Um, then on Sunday, we have another finger of God forming with uh, the sun in Libra forming a quincunx to Neptune and Uranus, which is on October 15th. So that's, and again, the moon is at a world point, 22 and a half of Libra. So we're going to be working with this energy. It's pretty intense. We're going to have a new moon webinar on Friday, October 13th. It's up on the website. We will spend more time on the eclipse and where it lands in your chart because the eclipse happens on the 14th. So Friday night, you can buy it ahead of time. And listen to it. You'll get the slides. You'll get the PDF. You'll get the um, slides, the PDF, and the audio recording. Um, and you know, talking about where that is. And we do Q and A, so you can ask where the eclipse is, and also what it's bringing up for you. It also does tie back to 1982, uh, so it's gonna because it's at the same degrees. So think about um, what was going on for you in November of 1982, December of '83. November, 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 December of 1982, because the story is kind of big then. All right, let's talk astrology events. Here we go. And I referenced them a little bit in the front because they're, you know, we're in a wild world right now. So first up, Kevin lost his job. Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, lost his job on Tuesday in a very quick vote. Boom, boom, he was gone. So we have Kevin. We have an actual timed chart for him which is always helpful because that lets us look at his chart. We notice that he's got Saturn here at 3 Pisces, and um, a lot of people were muttering about him lying and not telling the truth. 
He has Saturn Pisces. It rules his Mercury, his Venus, his Juno, his Athena. So these are all strategic thinking plans, but they answer to Saturn in a watery sign. Watery signs um, don't have good boundaries. It's the way it is. And he has the moon in Sag here, square Saturn. So he knows what he wants, and to get it, he will say what he needs to say to get it. Now, is that lying? Is that telling the truth? People felt that he lied to them a lot. Um, you know, this is, this is where we see the chart's story being told. You know, like what people's reactions and belief systems are about somebody. We also see that Jupiter is here in the 12th house. We know that transiting Jupiter is going through his 12th house. His secret enemies are very strong. Whenever planets go through the 12th, it activates your secret enemies of whatever nature the planet is. So in his case, Jupiter and Taurus um, is the secret enemies going through there. And so we see the moon square Saturn. We see Saturn ruling his communications. And, you know, Sagittarius moons, um, they tell the truth that they believe at the time. So, you know, there's... I was raised Catholic. So there's a whole big thing about what kind of truth are you telling? Omission, commission. Did you leave it out because? Did you do it because? You know, why did you do it? What was the what was the what was the logic behind your lying? So Kevin has this nice little grand trine in Earth. He he does it to get things accomplished. Is the way he's going to say it. And then, but then with the Moon and Sag, he tends to dap lit dither on and talk a lot. So. One of the complaints about him, when what they did in the Democrat caucus, is they played him on the Sunday talk shows when the Mars was, you know, when he had that big old finger of God, and, uh, you know, saying mean things about them. And it was their fault. It was their, the Democrats did it. And they were like, why are we voting for this guy when he's going to blame us? Because he knows the reason that the, con the government stayed open. But he fibbed, and they played that face the nation tape moon and sag so you know he says things the problem is we have audio tape right we have videotape so they played it and the caucus went okay we're going to vote we're going to we're going to we'll vote as a block we're not going to back him um because he's lied to us now of course the republican said he lied to them too but he tells the he tells the story he needs to, and again this is where astrology is helpful because he tells the story he needs to tell to get the result he wants. It's an expediency as opposed to a um, accountability thing, right, if that makes sense. And, you know, it's not, you know, the, what I like about astrology is we can look at the chart and we can see where the person has a soft spot or a weak spot or a process that's part of their being, that's part of their nature. And sometimes the planets operate in a higher mode and sometimes in a lower mode. And so the experience of others from their expectations of what he said to them, they're ruled by Jupiter and they have Jupiter in the sex. So their expectation may be like, you're going to do it tomorrow. And he's like, yeah, 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 that's a great idea. I'm going to do it. But he doesn't commit to the date, the time, the place. And then your expectation is you're mad. So we looked at Nancy Mace who is a uh, congresswoman from South Carolina, and she's like, he didn't keep his promises to me. Well, he talked to her chief of staff, who said, yes, she did. And, you know, so there's this he said, she said energy, which is part of that Jupiter-Neptune opposition. 
But Sanj rising, everybody's so fired up right now. You know, you, you didn't do it, and you're mad, and, and that's the energy that he is contending with. Because normally, but he is having a Saturn return, where he's facing accountability for his behavior. And that's the beauty of Saturn. He says, well, you know, you gotta face the gotta face the accountability police, Kevin. We love that. Accountability, Saturn is accountability. So here's the chart when he was elected speaker. It was a public, it was 15 votes. We saw that 15 Uranus. He got the job, but the moon was out of bounds. And notice where Pluto was, 2751, right? What degree is Pluto stationing on now? Yeah, you're here, astrology babies. This is where we go, yeah, yeah. What, what degree is Pluto stationing on? He's stationing on 2753 right okay so by Kevin and so the that's where the re, the retrogrades are important so he gets elected on January 7th after 15 votes it's a Libra rising answers to the Venus in Aquarius he got the job he always wanted but then he's got this Pluto to contend with down here in the fourth opposite the moon right and it was a pretty public spectacle this is him being vacated so this is Saturn at one in the first house, end of the thing, end of it done. And of course we have that little secret finger of God going over there, Venus and Juno. Quincunx to Pluto, Quincunx to Neptune, finger of God. So secret deals made behind the scenes. Notice Mars on the south node on this treachery ending the relationship, almost exact to the minute. 24 degrees Libra on 24 degrees south node. Minutes are 56 and 25. That's the, the motion to vacate. Pass, boom, he's gone. Sag midheaven, right, which is right on his moon. So he's out. But it was, uh, you know, with that, that configuration I showed you last week with Mars and Venus in a sextile, Mars having the Uranus-Neptune, Venus having the um, Pluto-Neptune, and then Neptune having the Venus-Mars. There was a secret deal done behind the scenes on this vacating thing and as Kevin gets kicked to the curb we now go okay who's coming in next here we see him with getting elected and then getting kicked to the curb we notice the ascendant of him getting kicked to the curb is right on the Saturn when he got elected see that 22 23 right exact hit now astrology does this we see the Plutos exactly lined up 27 54 27 51 we gave you the power, now we're taking it away. We see he got the power, he got the job. Sun is on the midpoint of Juno and Neptune. So Nancy Mace is one of the prominent, and we're not gonna do her chart, but if you look, you'll see her chart ties into this. She was an army brat and uh, transition, you know, trampled around a lot and is a very conservative voice, but she's now getting hammered for going against him. As I said last week, if you come for the king, you better take him out. And so Kevin's not gone. He's still there. He's a powerful fundraiser. So we're going to continue to see this war play out uh, in the house. And it'll be interesting to watch because, you know, this is a Pluto station. <laughs> He's, whoever is getting elected now is getting elected on the Pluto station in Capricorn. It was a big deal. It was a big deal, whoever the new speaker is. Um, we will look at the two, two lead candidates and see if some third emerges. But we also see here the moon is on the Mars. See the Mars retrograde? 
uh, when he was elected speaker. Retrograde means we're going to reverse it at some point. Notice the moon for the moment he got kicked out is exactly there. 8 degrees, 42 minutes. 8 degrees, 20 minutes. Can't make this astrology stuff up. It's very clear and it's like, okay, you be done now. We're going to send you off. And of course, Kevin had had his Jupiter return and then Jupiter went retrograde. Now, Jupiter's going to come back over Kevin's Jupiter in the spring. And we will watch what Kevin does next spring about this situation because Kevin doesn't forget. He's got Mars, Pluto, and Uranus, and Virgo over here. This is a mighty powerful little section of sky. So we'll watch what he does. And we do see the Neptune here opposite this. You know, they floated the thing. Oh, he might resign. And he said, no, no, I'm not resigning. I'm not going anywhere. And we see when he got the job, Venus was on his son. He always wanted this job. He got it. He gets, a, he gets a portrait in the speaker's house, in the hall, but we also see, okay, next, new chapter. Let's talk Israel. Now, I will say, Israel, this is a very uh, interesting chart, and I will also preface this by saying um, I'm not trying to be politically incorrect with this. Uh, you know, we're trying to look at it as a chart of the country. Now, one of the things that I have discovered frequently Every time I've looked at this chart, people get excited or mad, right? So I'm trying, I'm bringing it up. A couple people wrote me, a couple of my Palestinian clients, a couple of my Israeli clients, people living in Israel, people living in Palestine, you know, so we're going to look at the chart from the perspective. Now, uh, someone wrote me that the time of the chart was this. The chart that I have is 4.37 p.m. in Tel Aviv, and that was when... I believe it was Ben-Gurion hammered his desk and said the state of Israel is established. When you look at this chart, it's a very scrappy chart, meaning it likes, you know, it's a very uh, tenacious chart. Look at how big the fixed bar is. Very big fixed bar, very fiery energy in the chart. It was born on a Taurus sun on an eclipse during an eclipse season. We're having an eclipse right now. And it was born with the Moon, Pluto, Saturn, and Mars in Leo at the top of the chart, right? So it was created out of a section of the Palestinian desert, territory, whatever you want to call it. Um, and they said, we're going we're gonna to make the state of Israel. And then at midnight that night, British off the coast pulled their flag down and sailed off. But this is the time when the government said, we are a state. Um, and so this is from um, the actual uh, minute meetings. So it is 4.37 p.m. It is a Scorpio rising country. Um, and it has Mars high in the chart in Leo. Now we know, we know we got Pluto there in Capricorn right now, forming a quincunx to that Mars as Pluto stops. So we're going to look at the attack, which happened bright and early in the morning, uh, six in the, little bit, little after six in the morning on Saturday morning. So we see Mars on the ascendant in the twelfth house. As I said, your secret enemies come after you when you're in the twelfth, and it was a multi-pronged uh, attack, multiple targets, and it involved kidnapping. Uh, here we see that Mars on the Neptune, which I don't remember. I mean, I'm not a huge uh, student of Israel's politics, but I don't remember kidnapping ever being part of the conflicts before, including kidnapping people that had nothing to do with it, the civilians. We you know 
the goal here with war, I mean, it's still war, but is don't hurt the civilian targets, right? That doesn't seem to be what's going on. And of course, if you know you're going to provoke a response, which Hamas would by attacking Israel, and then you take a bunch of Israeli people with you, maybe they won't kill you as much because they don't want to kill their own people. It's, it's a very interesting strategic approach. Again, I'm trying to be politically correct here with conflict, but it, it's a different strategy than they had before, and we see that from the progressed Mars here behind the scenes in Libra, like we're going to take people that are not necessarily the normal, whatever normal is, because um, civilians do get impacted, of course, by war. So we see the Mars here in the 12th house. Now, we know Mars is going into Scorpio in a couple days this week, so that's when Israel kind of steps up. It's, it did declare war the next day on the Mars-Pluto square, but it was a Mars-Pluto square in Libra. Over here, we see the progressed moon going into the seventh house in Taurus, okay? And that is above the horizon. This is the progressions for the moment of the attacks. And we see Uranus here on the sun. Now, Uranus on the sun, Uranus is retrograde. And Jupiter here is retrograde on the north node. So this retrograde is going to continue until January. Hopefully the war does not go on that long. But Uranus comes back over the sun next uh, April, when Jupiter and Uranus meet at 23 on Israel's sun. So this could go for a while. Hopefully it doesn't. We also see the progressed descendant here in Sagittarius on Jupiter. And again, this is a time chart. You know, the, the kismet saying we're a state. That's there for another 11 months, and that ascendant then shifts into Capricorn. So we've been seeing Israel become more conservative. Um, and of course, the ascendant at that last degree of Sagittarius marks the end of a 30-year cycle of, um, not quite a 30-year cycle because of the time zone, but um, but it marks the end of a multi-year, you know, 30, probably 20, I didn't look, but it's a while. Then we see uh, Venus up here on the Mars, right? Uh, which is, again, this is the attack. And so women were... There was a tattoo artist that was, um, people were sitting on her body as she was carried through the streets. I mean, the images are very harsh and hard coming out of the conflict. And of course, war images are. Uh, we see the moon here on Mercury uh, was a stealth. Nobody saw it coming. Whatever the failures were of the intelligence community to pick it up, we'll find out more about that as we go, because there's a Mars thing going here in the 12th house, so whatever the communications were. But that Mars on that south node is breaking a relationship, and of course, part of it is saying, you know, we were real, I mean, it was tension, but no, there wasn't breaking of the, breaking of the peace quite as dramatically as this. And then we also see um, the energy of the midheaven uh, of, of the, of the chart having Chiron opposite it in Aries. So this is a war. I mean, Aries, Chiron and Aries is war. So we're seeing a, a strong energy. We're also seeing the note of fate coming here to a strategic approach and how we're going to work with that. That strategic approach has an energy of forward motion. And we also have up here Vesta on the Venus, uh, which is, you know, the safety of the children, the safety of the women. And, you know, and how we work with that. We also see here the progressed Venus coming to Uranus, very tight. Um, they were born with Venus in Cancer. Venus went retrograde during the state 
during the existence of the State of Israel, and Progress Venus is now here at 27, forming an opposition to the Ascendant, but also a quincunx to transiting Pluto uh, as part of this, um, you know, Pluto's forming a finger of God to the Venus and the Mars there. See, the Venus and the Mars are in sextile, and Pluto's down here in the third. So this is this is very much the news that it kind of describes the energy um, of the uh, the attack and the conflict that we're having there. So we're going to be watching this. It does not look like it ends right away. Hopefully, once Mars gets into the first and gets to nine or gets to fourteen, which is about a month, there'll be a ceasefire. Um, it did happen on a holy day in Israel, bringing up um, stories of the earlier Yom Kippur War. Um, and also we're back to 1982, so I'm not real big on my Israeli-Palestinian uh, history, but the listeners who know what was going on in November of 82-83 under Reagan, that, that's part of the story too, if that helps you guys figure out what's going on in your, in your country, your countries. Next up, Jim Jordan, who is a candidate for speaker. This is Mr. Jordan's chart. Um, he was described, uh, we don't have a time for him. He was born on February 17, 1964 in Urbana, Ohio. And he was a wrestling coach for a number of years and is implicated uh, by the students um, that they told him they were being sexually abused by the team doctor and he did nothing. He fights that story all the time, says he didn't know anything. Um, and he was a wrestler as a young man. Won, I think, 149 of 150 wrestling events. That's a lot of winning, as one might say. And he has a moon in Aries, Venus and Jupiter, and Eris in Aries. I have always personally found him very disagreeable. <laughs> But I understand how my chart relates to his. We have a we have a nodal reversal, um, and I just find him really. I mean, the first time I ever laid eyes on him, so I'm not really an unbiased looker. I mean, that it's important as an astrologer you should know if you have your biases. Uh, I have a bias uh, on, on his chart. His Saturn Mars is opposite my Pluto. I just I find him really difficult, but. Uh, we do see that he has a stealthy little Neptune there stopped. Liz Cheney just had a speech a couple days ago saying Jim Jordan was involved in the planning of January 6th. He was in great contact. He attended the meetings in the White House. He knew what was going down. And he, of course, refused to answer his subpoena to January 6th um, testimony. It's an outstanding subpoena. And now he is the head of the Judiciary Committee, and he is running obstruction on any of the He's been running obstruction on any of the criminal cases that have been brought against President, former President Trump. So he, he works for the big guy. And um, if we think of this, as it looks like in Kevin McCarthy's case, that this was a plot going on behind the scenes, he has received the backing of the former president. And Matt Gates referenced on the talk shows, well, you know, it's going according to plan. I back both of them. I'm like, yeah, come on, Matt. You know, this is a, this is a setup. You know, we're not that stupid. Uh, so he's got the Sun, Mars, and Saturn in Aquarius. Jim Boehner said of him, who was the former Speaker of the House, he's a terrorist. He likes to tear things down. Um, so hopefully he does not get elected Speaker. But I'm kind of thinking that's the plan. 
and I will give um, I will give propers to my Demo my Republican uh, people. They do plot and plan. I don't know that this would be a good speaker for the House, but when we look at his transits for this, we do see a lot of stuff going on. We see, and this is why I'm saying plot and plan, notice that progressed son of his at 21 Aries, right? What's stationing at 27 Aries, or his progressed son at 27 Aries, what's stationing at 27 uh, Pluto, right? Stationing at 27 in Pluto's on Vesta, the home and heart, the house, on the house. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I think this was a setup. Um, you know, this is politics. Uh, you know, this is what it does. This is how it works. And we, when in a little bit, we'll look at how his chart lands on the U.S. chart, at least the Declaration of Independence chart. And so we see he's having Saturn on uh, his progressed Saturn, right? So this, and he's got Saturn in Aquarius here. So wanting to come into power, you know, as we see Kevin passing the baton uh, to him. We also see um, the Mars over here squaring the Pluto. Mars is opposite the Sun in Aries. So if you want to believe in there was a plan and there was a process behind it, good. Solar arc progressed ascendant. Again, we don't have a time for him. Again, at 29. In Cancer, where he, so he's been working below the scenes, uh, and it, he does, of course, have a moon in Aries. His progressed moon right now is in Cancer, coming to the North Node. So he's got definitely the potential to get the speakership. Um, and, of course, the Venus in Gemini is trying to the Mercury and trying to the solar midheaven. So um, I'm a, you know, a little concerned he might get it. Um, but again, we're still having our Pluto transit, so we're not done with Pluto yet, people. Other one up is uh, Steve Scalise. Again, we don't have a time for him. He was born on October uh, 6, 1965 in New Orleans, Louisiana, no time. And uh, Steve was shot at the um, congressional baseball game and was seriously wounded. He has Mars on the south note that has not changed his policies on guns. Uh, he's a big gun proponent. He has Saturn and Pisces squaring the nodes of fate. He recently was diagnosed with, I believe it was malignant melanoma. He's got a, he's got a cancer, and he's under treatment. That cancer is pretty fatal. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, not wishing ill of him, but he does have the Saturn opposite the Uranus Pluto, and he's not having, he's having his Saturn return next spring. Um, when Jim Jordan had his Saturn return was the time of the plotting. Uh, his Saturn return was in when Kevin McCarthy got the gig, right? So Saturn here, uh, when he got assigned. Where's my, where's my Saturn? Oh, that's, I'm in Israel, sorry. Until I haven't had enough coffee here. Okay, so when, you can see this, the Saturn for for um, McCarthy getting it was 2303 and we see in Jim Jordan's chart his Saturn is 25 so he was present and you can see the 2327 uh, so we're going to put you in with one vote but we can take him out and then you'll get the Speaker of the House it's, it's, you know, 
succession planning is important, right? So we're looking at this energy and kind of going, okay, you know, what is, how is this set up and what is it set up to do? Um, and so with Jim Jordan, it's very possible. Now in Scalise's case, um, he has Saturn in Pisces, so his Saturn return is not until next spring. So again, we'll see what happens with him uh, as going forward. And when we look at his chart, um, he has, you know, it's his birthday, literally. He will be possibly elected head of the house. He's got the south node in the midheaven. That is not traditionally a promotion. And he is second in command of the, um, of the house uh, right now. But he also is sick, and he also is part of the not... Um, the MAGA, not a MAGA guy. He's a conservative guy, but he's not a MAGA guy. So to the extent that the MAGAs are running the place, we also see the North Node Eris down here. We see the Uranus opposite the Neptune. Again, not necessarily part of the plot, not necessarily part of the plan. And he was strangely silent when it was all going down from what people said. He also has Pluto here on the Venus as Pluto stationed for this um, takeout. Uh, he is not a Venusian. He is, I mean, he is, he's ruled by Venus. So Pluto on the Venus would suggest that he's not part of the plotting to get rid of Kevin McCarthy and replace him with Jim Jordan. Um, so that's my political take on it. Um, and I will say, you know, Jim Jordan has a chart that is, when we put the two of them against the United States chart, this is where I'm thinking the thoughts are behind this, the U.S. Moon, which is the public, and Pallas Athena both have Saturn and Mars on them, right? The Moon is a very important planet in the U.S. chart as it rules all those cancer planets. It's the freedom of speech. It's the, um, the communication skills. It's the, you know, the disruption that happened on January 6th. We're going to stop the counting of the ballots. You know, ballots are third house manner, so we're going to stop the electoral college vote. And he has Mars and Saturn on that, you know. So, and of course, the Moon in Aquarius rules these Cancer planets in our chart. He also has um, his solar ascendant on the Uranus. He's a disruptor. Uranus is a disruptive agent. It is a uh, it is a revolutionary aspect. It is a chaos maker, and he is an Aquarius who answers to his Uranus. Um, you know, those planets answer to his Uranus in Virgo. And um, uh, so he is, you know, he disrupts the rules. Virgo is rules, Uranus, Pluto disrupts. He's also born with a stationary Neptune. So the Neptune um, in Scorpio stopped gives him an ability to just kind of blow past stuff. He, you know, he's able to make the mirror, he's able to make the mirror foggy, so it's hard for you to see things. When we look at um, Scalise against this, we see he's got a moon in Aquarius or early Pisces, so he's there. He is you know, tied into the U.S. Congress. He's been there many years working as a number two guy. And uh, he has the um, ascendant here. He has Mars going on behind the 12th. So his Mars is on the south node, natally, and it's on this Pallas Athena, which is the strategic plan that was hatched behind the scenes of the U.S. country. And we see Mars on, Jun on Juno. So how is he going to partner or not? He does have a Venus in Scorpio, so that's a, that's a healthy Venus in terms of working with, you know, looking at plot energy and understanding it. 
and the Venus does square the U.S. moon. He is a conservative. Um, he's not necessarily a crazy conservative, but he also has the Uranus-Pluto on the Neptune. So I don't really, I don't really think he's going to be able to get past it. I mean, I would like him to be the speaker of the choices, though far mentioned. We also see his Jupiter and Cancer here is on the Venus. So. I think a lot of people would like to see him be the speaker. We'll just see how much of the MAGA people have run things, have taken over things. Uh, and, um, and really, basically, if Donald is, President Trump is behind this, taking it out, he's certainly behind the impeachment hearings that Jim Jordan is running. Jim didn't testify at the January 6th, defied the subpoena. Um, I'm, he was one of the people that did the let's delay it for 10 hours thing which was part of the plot, like, and then throw it back to the states. So I'm, I'm not happy, but we are having our Pluto return for the country, which means we need to pay attention to these things. So that's the um, prediction. So I'm kind of thinking it's going to be uh, Jim Jordan as the speaker. I hope I'm wrong. I'm hoping that Mars gets to the node for Israel and we get a peace negotiation going there and that the terrorists um, and the kidnapped people are and the people that are dying, uh, both sides, with these bombs um, are, you know, and, and of course the people in Afghanistan, which I didn't include uh, because of the earthquake, and I guess the relief organizations are unsure how to proceed, even though there's apparently thousands of people dead in Afghanistan from that, um, that earthquake. So hard work, hard week on Earth. So um, when you know that, you just kind of go, okay, now you can get a daily update. <laughs> where I send it to you every day how hard it's going to be and how to work with it on my Patreon. You get a recording of six to ten minutes, the charts, and usually a song. Um, today's song is, Oh Baby, It's a Wild World, right? So um, forward we go. And uh, that's it for the weekly weather. Hopefully this helped. It was illuminating and helpful. And, um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough energy out there. And so just be careful. These are big eclipses. Uh, do recognize that one of the things eclipses like you to do is take action um, and uh, you want to be a little careful because there's war out there with war, big big war energies so if you're ready to fight a war, good for you go go for it, but if you're really more just trying to get by you know, duck, ducking when the bullets are flying which is probably the better the better thought you know, sheltering in place kind of thing um, just, it's a rough week, so be careful out there, and I will see you next week. Bye.